0: Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me. I'm so grateful for you guys who are listening to this and joining me on this journey and this discovery of the Scottish Clans and what they're really like and peeling back all the layers of, of misconceptions and, and seeing what we're really looking at. And I'm grateful that I have you to, to talk to, even though it's not like a real conversation as though you're here with me. But I'm grateful that you're part of this nonetheless. So thank you for chiming in. Just want to express my gratitude to all you listeners. Before I get too far into what I'm talking about today, let me give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. USA Kilts produces high quality, anything that you want to wear to express your pride in your Scottish heritage. Mostly Scotch. I mean, it's USA Kilts. kilt is predominantly a Scottish garment. But you know what? they got something in there for those of you from an Irish background or Welsh um maybe like most of us we have we're a mix i'd dare say even those over in the british isles are not pure anything either and so um so maybe we've got a little bit of everything and if you're interested in any of that go to usakilts.com for excellent products wonderful customer service free shipping inside the us go check them out and go check out their awesome youtube channel tons of cool content at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. That's their handle on YouTube. So go check them out. They've got tons of stuff on there. All right. So guys, today what I want to share with you is something that if we can grasp this concept, it'll shoot you forward as far as your journey in discovering the Scottish clans and understanding what was really going on. Now, I, I pulled the idea for this episode from... A conversation that was happening on our Scottish clans YouTube or not YouTube Facebook group, <clears throat> and somebody got on there and they got to this, the discussion of I can't remember who started the discussion and who all was part of it, but it just got me thinking. The conversation was about Scottish clan maps and how they're not all created equal and which one's the best. And I will just tell you that the general consensus and my my own consensus here I'm not what I concur with is that there is a map that you can get a um, hard copy of. It's called Scotland of Old. And it's very clear about what it's trying to show, which is huge here, and it's at the heart of this whole conversation. It's showing ownership, and specifically ownership, A, during a certain time period, and ownership by the the clan chief. So it'll have the name of the kindred on the uh, territory that's marked out, but it's it specifically says it's land holding, which isn't the same as duchas, that Gallic concept of your inheritance, your your heritage that's tied in and woven through the landscape. It's really hard to communicate in one word in English, like you can in the word duchas. But uh, it's not that. It's not that's not what the map is showing. It's showing land ownership by clan. And specifically, that'd be the chief. And they're not the same thing. And that lies at the heart of what I want to talk about today. So the Scotland of Old Maps, Some, like I said, you can get a hard copy of that. I first got mine when I was a senior in high school, and I was on a school trip back to Washington, D.C. I was in, in, a, in a high school in Idaho, and we were clear back to at, on the East Coast and seeing all sorts of cool sites back there. And I was in a mall and I found this and I scooped it up. That's how long I've been interested in it. I've been graduated from high school for a really long time. Mid my mid 40s now. And I've had it on my wall in one form or another ever since then. I've had it laminated so it la- it has lasted longer otherwise it would be in tatters by now. So I had a friend in college that laminated it for me and it's just been something that is carried around with me all these years as opposed to some of the clan maps which you can tell are meant to be purely in a digital form you can find them on a if you just google image search scottish clan map you can find several different versions of this so like i said earlier that map is only good for a certain time period and we've got to understand the difference between land ownership and clan territory and that's at the heart of what i want to talk about today clan territory versus chief's property chief's land that he owns, okay? So they're not the same thing. They can be the same thing, but don't just jump to the conclusion or the assumption that they are the same thing. Because as a clan chief, the the clan chief, he, he operated, yes, in this kin-based society at the head of his kindred, but at the same time, he would probably, many of the clan chiefs held some sort of feudal title to their land. And this is not, I'm not going to go into a class, nor do I think I'm really qualified to give a class on feudal titles and the definition of each and how they stacked up. Some of that's very, you can get a very surface level understanding and that's maybe good enough to move forward with. That's kind of where I'm at. But maybe somebody else that's listening to this would be much more qualified to, in fact, I can think of names off the top of my head, who would be much more qualified to give a class on that. Anyway, um, but that, that my my point there is that the chief who's operating in this kin-based society is at the same time operating in a feudal society, and a lot of people I've heard seen a lot of conversations on the internet that's, that I almost act like it's almost like these are mutually exclusive concepts: feudalism and clans, and they're they're not. In fact, they 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 were interwoven with each other. They were symbiotic, really, to each other, and so the The Chief is wearing these two hats now as as a nobleman within the realm of Scotland, he might hold territory he might hold own land in places where he has no kin base for this. An example of this would be with the Campbells they own some property in the lowlands now we have the Campbells of of Loudon or Loudon Loudon i think um they that was an established branch of the clan, and I'll get to that in a bit, because that's a different thing. But they also owned some other lands in the lowlands where they really had no kin base, but because the the Earl of Argyle was in frequent visits to Edinburgh, he needed, or, or wherever else the Scottish court was at the time, which it wasn't always there, and if you go back earlier, it was different places, but he needed a place to stay when he's in the lowlands at the Scottish court, wherever that was. And so... He had a place that came to be known as Castle Campbell. And that oddly enough, you would think that some place named Castle Campbell would be in the heart of Campbell territory, but it actually wasn't. So Inverary, they the Campbell chiefs started off on the shores of of Lacha, and that's there. they used that territory of Lachau or Invera as, as their designation. That's how they styled themselves of Lachah. And for generations they did that, and then they built their castle in Inverary, and then I, don't, I can't remember when exactly what year that was, and that's the, that's at the heart. That's at the heart of that Lochfine area, that, that western Argyle, that's the core of the kin base for the Campbells, yet they would own other territory that were outside of that. And like I was saying, most of that's a place for the chief to stay, the Earl of Argyle, while he was attending Scottish court. With the, with the king and all the other business that they attended to there. Um, so another example of this would be the Douglases. The Douglass, as I've mentioned in previous, in fact, they did a whole episode on the Douglases being the original, like the OG border reavers, starting with good Sir James, or as the English like to call him, the Black Douglases. The, the Douglases were at their core a border clan. But they rose in power and influences. You have the branch off the clan, so you have the earls of Douglas, but then you also have the earls of Angus, who are a branch off, and and the red Douglas versus the black Douglas. Now they're differentiated by these colors. And Anyway, they come to own land all over Scotland. And you can see that by looking at that clan map that's once again showing land ownership. But everywhere you see the Douglas name, that does not mean that they had a kin base in that territory. See, I think in my earlier... um, younger days, earlier in this journey, I would see, I'd look at my clan map, and I would see, oh, I would see Douglas, and it's got this area in this one color, and it says Douglas on it, showing... And and I didn't really understand that. I was thinking, okay, so if I had visited that place in, the, in 1575, I would be seeing a bunch of Douglases around me, which is not the case. You would probably see, depending on what part of Scotland you are, some other kindred... And, and, and none of these places are we even saying that it was exclusively one kindred. You, you'd have the kindreds mixing in with each other and in a certain area. Now, one kindred might be dominant over another as numerically or influential in that area. But we like to make things in the, our nice, tidy little lines and make it look like, oh, so this area has... Is shown as McPherson territory, and so that was McPherson's. and up here is Mackenzies, and oh my goodness, look how big of a territory they had! There must have been Mackenzies everywhere. Well, actually, a lot of that uh, that you look at on the clan map that says Mackenzie, a lot of it's uninhabited, mountainous country. So, there's that. But even in the parts that were settled areas and had villages, and and I think what they call them Clachan in Gaelic. I can't. I'm not a. I'm not a Gael. I don't speak Gaelic, but. They have settlements throughout, and yeah, the Mackenzie's may or may not be the dominant kindred in that area, but they have probably be mixed in with some other kindreds who may or may not be related. So it's it's not tidy, is my point here, and that a clan chief may, as an individual, as a nobleman in, a, in the realm of Scotland, he, he may have land that he owns in other spots, but it doesn't mean that his clan in, uh, inhabits all those places. So there's a difference. So you're looking at a clan map and I'm trying to save you some trouble is that everywhere you see a certain clan with territory somewhere that's not necessarily clan territory in the way you're thinking of it, right? It's uh, it just means that a guy named Douglas owns that. And I don't think on that map it even differentiates between because there was historically the Black Douglases or the or the Earls of Douglas and the Red Douglases the Earls of Angus, they were off, most of the time at odds with each other. They they took different sides on different conflicts, often very decisive decisions to side against each other. And uh, it was a big deal. You can study more about that, I'm sure, with a quick with a quick uh, Google search. You can probably find some information on that without diving too deep. But. Um, on the map it doesn't differentiate where you're which branch of the douglas is and then within the earls of douglas you have branches on that side of the douglas family and you have branches of the other one um let me just throw a shout out there in a little bit more depth this time to my sponsor usa kilts guys really i've been so pleased with the products that i've had from them i've got two kilts one's a nicer kilts the five yard wool kilt and the other one's the the um casual kilt is what it's called and i wear the heck this last summer i have I put some miles on that casual kilt, and it's super easy. The casual kilt actually just velcros on. It's not. It's not a big process. is not buckles and all that stuff. Um, so I'm gonna go for a get my dog some exercise on the hills near where I live. So I'm just gonna just it's super quick change out kilts, and I'm gonna hit throw my hiking boots on, and we're gonna we're gonna cover some ground. And it's nice because the casual kilt, I don't got to worry. I'm not as concerned about it getting dirty or catching on a branch or something like that while I'm out running around in the boonies. My my nice kilt is exactly that. It's a nice kilt, guys. It feels good. I'm not a kilt connoisseur. These are the only two kilts I've ever owned or worn. But I know good quality clothes when I put them on. And that nice kilt kilt's a nice kilt. So they're both good for what they're for. The guys, the, everything else I have from them is good quality, so I recommend them to you. Go out there, and and uh, if you got want to get anything that to show off your your Scottish heritage, please go to USAKilts.com. Or if you want, got any questions now that you've acquired some of that, like maybe you just bought yourself a kilt, maybe you're uh, bought yourself some other type of clothing or or something from them, and you want to know how how does this go, like what's what kind of foot gear do I wear with kilts that's okay with the shirt that I'm wearing and how do I tie it all together and how high am I supposed to wear this? How do I measure for a kilt? Man, every single question that you can ever think of asking, they've got covered on USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube. And then they've got some history and some culture stuff. So go on there and check them out. I really recommend them. Their they're, uh, customer service is awesome. Free shipping inside the US, usakilts.com and USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube. YouTube. And that actually leads me to another um, example here. So you have, let's pretend you have the chief of a clan and he comes into possession of lands outside of where his kin base is. But he says, okay, I'm going to give that uh, position or that territory or that land to. So my oldest son is probably going to inhabit what we've always had. So one of my younger sons, I'm going to give that territory that is acquired to him. All right, so now you have this piece of Scotland where there's probably been people living on there clear back to Neolithic times, maybe. And but so and you have their descendants still living in that area, but now it's owned by such and such clan. But now the clan chief just gave it to one of his younger sons, and now he owns that land. So you've got this discrepancy. The kin base that already exists there, the kindred that's there, versus who owns the territory. Not the same thing. Do you see what I'm saying? But if we walk down the path a few generations, let's pretend that that territory did not just quickly change hands to another person. Let's pretend it stayed in the hands of the descendants of that younger son of the chief that was granted that land. Guys, do you know how long it takes to build up a pretty numerous kindred? I'm here to tell you not very many generations. So j- within a few generations of that younger son being given that newly acquired land by the chief, he might have started what we call a branch of the clan. An example of this would be, so the McDonald's, in their core, if you go back to their early, early days, They're because there there's McDonald's, McDougal's, and McRory's, and the McDonald's were very a, a southern branch of the McSorleys. They were centered out of Isla, and that's where later when they become the the lords of the Isles, that's where they're they're centered, their headquarters in that Finlagan. But they come into possession of the Isle of Skye at some point, and now that's given to not the one who's going to inherit the lordship of the Isles, but another son, and so you have you have the now, and and they're in. They they maintain a posi- um, possession of their lands in Sky for enough generations, and to build up enough of a kin base there. That now you have a branch of the clan, and and that that's kind of an interesting thing to me. The the McDonalds of Sky, or specifically their their style was of slate. The McDonalds of Slate, they were in Gaelic sometimes re- referred to as Clan Uistin, or um. In, in English sometimes we refer to them as Clan Donald North. And so that they become a very powerful branch of the McDonald's. Another example within the McDonald Kindred would be the 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 branch that we refer to as Clan Ranald. So you have the Clan Ranald branch of the McDonalds, the the good John of Isla marries Anya McRory. McRory is at this time being a very powerful branch of the McSorleys, kins to the McKindred to or Related to the McDonalds and the and the MacDougalls but that line of their chiefs ends, and Anya is the heiress. John of Isla marries the heiress Anya, and has some kids, sons with her. But then he he sees the up and coming Stuart kindred, and marries into that family, and they become kings. And now he's closely tied with the kings of Scotland, and it's that. He, the kids he has with her, the Stuart gal, they inherit the Lordship of the Isles. The one, the, His older group of kids that he had with Anya McRory, they don't inherit. But what happens to them, basically their territory becomes what was the McRory territory and what came by marriage through Anya into the McDonald's, and that becomes a territory of Clan Ronald. So it's almost like Clan Ronald is a... Is that are they're the mcrorys under a different name, so and that's a i I think all that stuff's fascinating, but my point there is that they acquire this territory through marriage, and but then those sons are given different pieces of that territory and they they mix it and integrate with the existing kindred there, and now they start in a branch of the clan and so does that, I hope that makes sense to everybody. So now you have the Mc, McDonalds of Clan Ranald and the McDonalds of Slate. You got all these different, um, the McKeans of Ardnamurchan, uh, and other other examples of this concept would be the the McLeans. You had the McLeans of Dewart and the, the other brother, because his line becomes becomes the McLeans of Lochbui. You have, and then another different branch establishes themselves and becomes the Macleans of Ardgour, and the the Isle of Cole comes in the MacLean possession, and they become established there, and that becomes a different branch. Another example is you have the MacGregors. Now, there they were a, a at the head of Loch where I was mentioning the Campbells earlier. The very head of that, you have uh, a Glen branching off from that northern end of that loch that was referred to as Glen Stray, and that's the heartland of the McGregors, where they've become established as a kindred there. And through it's a long it's a longer story, and if you really don't mind digging into the longer story, Martin McGregor's PhD thesis was all about this movement and this and this relationship between the McGregor's and the Campbells and how illustrates the the whole history in very, very uh, small detail, fine detail about how the MacGregors get established in other places, such as Glen Lyon, such as Glen Gyle, such as the Rannoch Moor. So they get, they push out into these other areas and get established there and be, and be get branches, legit branches of the Clan Gregor. And another, and my last uh, example of this would be the McLeods of Lewis. Um, and then versus the McLeods of Skye, you got Sheil Torkel, the, the Macleods of Lewis, and Shield Tormid, which are the Macleods on the Isle of Skye. McLeod of Macleod was their style, or the Macleods of Harrison Dunvegan. But then you have those two main branches of the McLeods, beget their own branches, and you have now you have the McLeods of Assent, and the Macleods of Glenelg. Anyway, so there's there's examples of how the chiefs do. Yes, they acquire. Land somewhere else, they do not, as of the time of, of the acquiring of that land, They don't have a kin base there. So you have this discrepancy between what the chief owns versus the the kin or the kindred that lives there already. But after time, you have an established clan. Let me just to give you some kind of perspective. Maybe some of you come from families where you can see this happening. On my mom's side of the family, they they have they have passed down through the generations, and it's it's not in the same form it used to be in. But there's a cattle ranch in southeast Idaho, and it was my great grandfather and his sons who were ranching with him, and they acquired this property back in 1949. And there was a lot of kids in the family, which if you go back and some of these families back here in the time periods that we're talking about in the 13, 14, 1500s, they liked to have kids, right? And some of them didn't survive and there's high mortality rates, but generally family sizes were much larger than they are today. Okay? Well, um, this my mom, my great grandfather on my on my mom's side, so he and his dear wife, they have lots of kids. and now, so that was 1949 that they actually bought that ranch. Their kids, the sons were, were grown and were working with with their dad. but they buy this this cattle ranch and now that becomes kind of like a focal point for the family down through the ages. And I don't know when they we actually started doing this, but every year we'd have a, a family reunion. And my goodness, we've got I mean, I bet you we could we could put 200 uh put 200 men out there who are capable of combat. And that's how they measured this stuff back then. I'm not just trying to be chauvinistic here. I'm just saying that's back in these days what what's the strength of the clan? Well, I don't know. How many people can you put on a battlefield? And so, um, we would have probably two hundred military age males. That's a, so. My point there is, and and I can I don't remember that that great grandfather, but I knew my grandfather really well. And that's just a few short generations in a relatively short period of time. And now we've got different branches of the family, but every year they all converge. Not all. People can't make it. Some years I didn't make it this last summer, but they converge on this place and on a good year. That's quite a crowd of people, just to give you some idea. If you've got a family where there was eight kids, holy cow! In, in uh, just a few generations, that's quite a lot of people. And now we've got a sure enough branch of the clan. And so if we take that same example, I've got so we've got two hundred military age males. Well, but then but then we've got some of their in-laws that they're very close to and loyal to and have, excuse me, stuck to them. And, and now, but we've also got this other kindred over here that had that land before us, but now they're loyal to us and maybe we've intermarried with them. Maybe we haven't, but there's all the, and so now you see what a really, a clan starts to look like. It's, it's, yeah, it's got this kindred at the core of it, but they don't make up every member of the clan or if we were to look at this in military terms which was kind of how they saw the world in a lot of ways back then um yeah we've got a fighting force of maybe 500 people 2 to 300 of that might be actual the clan that, that the had you know the the group the kindred that we're talking about and even of them not everybody went by the same surname right but but now we've got these other kindreds that were there before we even owned the land and their, their descendants are still running around. And, and so we can call on them in time of need. And we probably built a, maybe a good relationship with them and maybe our neighbors over here. that, But we share resources and we've worked out a deal with them. And so they're going to call up. And so if we were in those days back then and the head of this kindred needed to call everybody up, well, gosh, you've got quite a fighting force. And not all of them are of the same clan, but that kindred forms the core of it. that's my point. That's where I'm trying to get with that. Guys, I'm going to wrap it up right there for today. And I actually had recorded about twice this long, and I didn't want to make an episode that long. So we're going to split it, and we're going to pick this conversation up in the next episode. So go ahead, and that'll be dropping shortly after this one publishes, maybe within a week or 10 days. So stay tuned. We're going to continue this discussion of clan territory versus chief's property, And in the meantime, let me just put in another plug about my online course that I'm developing on the origins of the Scottish clans. It's going to be like a mini, well, it's just, it's, I think in the world of online courses, they would refer to this as a mini course, two to three hours long. We'll, we'll see. I haven't, I haven't finished all the content for it yet, but, um, it'll be more like along the lines of, you know, there's online courses that show you how to, let's say run a business or do this or that. This will be more like a like a like a short lower division college course. It'll have it'll have assigned readings. It'll have optional homework. I mean, of course you're not depending on this to pass a, and get a grade and, and get a degree, but it'll have some things it depends on. I'll make it available to be as intense as you want it to be. And you can dive into it as much as you want to. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah, until next time. Bodishin lave and